Welcome to the Dan and Kimberly podcast. Because we haven't really defined the second one. It's true, Kimberly. <laughs> oh, I hit record. We haven't really decided the second one. But luckily, but we're podcasting. We're, but we're podcasting. We're still <laughs> podcasting. So it's time that I say, hello, I'm Dan Faye. I'm Kimberly Joy. Welcome to number 15. Yeah, I wonder how much of that beginning we cut off. Meh, as much as you want. The last time I released that episode. So people might think I'm a terrible editor, but like I meticulously decide exactly how much of those trail odds that I leave into the intro and outro. Like I cut them to the second. Me um, too. So like if people think like, oh, Dan didn't notice that like they kept talking after the thing about the, and then the music started playing. I'm like, no, though I really noticed. Like, do you think I don't like place this exact track? <laughs> like, what they don't notice is like, we talk for like 15 to 20 minutes before and after. Mm-hmm. So like, they think, they may think that I'm cutting like this like extra minute and a half or whatever, but I'm not, I'm cutting like a half an hour. Yeah, we already, we cut a lot off. <laughs> so, Dan, Dan's a bit of a perfectionist actually. <laughs> yeah, and it serves me well. Do you want to fight about it? Is this what this episode's about? Is this about perfection? Yeah, we're going to talk about perfection. You, you trap me in this podcast. So that you can... <laughs> cool. Why do you want to talk about perfection? Um, because as a recovering perfectionist, I sometimes don't frame it in a positive way. And like you have so frequently told me, it serves me in some areas and it doesn't serve me in others. So I don't think perfection is an all or nothing game. I don't think it's like absolutely bad or absolutely good. It's just an interesting um, part of who we are as humans that we could maybe unpack a little bit. It's interesting to me because I've always like, so on the opposite side of that spectrum, I've always seen myself as like a person that goes against perfection and just make a mess and do, do like the thing. Right. Uh-huh. And, th- and then you see me in something I'm good at <laughs> that, I, that I take some pride in like tech or something. And like, I'm the one who's like, actually, you know, that's not, that's not up to our code quality standards or like, can you please stop making a mess in that thing? Like, come on. Right. Which is weird. Cause in the rest of my life, it's like shirt unbuttoned and hair uncapped and like this entire thing. But there's like certain things where it's like, Oh no, I'll take the next hour and I'll go clean that thing up. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It has to be exactly this way. Um, and yet like my house is a disaster, like all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I've grown a little bit and thought more about my life and stopped my crusade against perfectionism, um, especially because like I've had some very perfectionistic people in my life. So I think I had a little bit of bias. It'll be like, that's stupid. And you just make my life harder. Uh-huh. Um, as I like embrace it a little bit more, I too have been like, Oh no, there are some things that like attention to detail to a degree that may not be um, sustainable or serving me is great. And like, I wouldn't throw it away. I would rather be overly detail oriented in my craft and have people temper me back. Mm-hmm. so then I start to appreciate people who are perfectionistic in like their day-to-day life the stuff where I'm just like why does it matter but like I get it because it's probably that same pull mm-hmm. uh, and so I've kind of come around I've, I've been trying to um as with most stuff we talk about um I've been trying to reintegrate a whole bunch of concepts in my life growing up that like I can take a more holistic view of and stop seeing them as like good or bad things right. to be destroyed, things to be removed or things that must be added or you're not good or just or whatever. And instead just be like, Oh cool. You have this thing, or this is part of the human experience. 
Right. So how, and in your human experience, that perfection pulls you here. Right. And that's not my thing. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's very different for everybody. It's very different for everybody. And our brains do want to reduce everything to black and white, good and bad. Wants to, I don't know why, just because we're efficient, I guess, but we do want to just label everything and put it on a shelf so that we understand the world around us. And as we grow, we can uh, understand the nuances more. Well, I think perfectionism specifically uh, has a crusade against it mm-hmm. these days, like a little bit. Um, it does. Because it's usually like you think you like your mom or, or me anyway. You think about your mom or your gram- grandma or something, and they're the perfectionist in the family that needs everything just so and everything dusted and like all this stuff. That's on my side of the family. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so in some ways I see like the youth taking it as like old hat. Um, or something that like, oh, I, I never want to be as perfectionistic as that thing. Um, mm. Or um, you see people that are really detail-oriented and like seen as perfectionists. And it's like, it's almost this like pitiable thing in like some circles um, where it's like. Do you think it's generational? Like for you, it's your mom and your grandma because you're talking about generation X and like the greatest generation. And you're a millennial. So millennials are less into perfectionism maybe it might also just let's be real let's like put our real life out there that's very seems to be kind of millennial ish yeah but then you get so for one yes i think so Mm -hmm. but i think it's also just manifested in different ways Mm -hmm. so consider so now going back to the whole like performer thing did we talk about that on air or was that in my head or just talking with you off air? we talked about it last week cool um so like People will spend like 45 minutes picking the perfect filter and, oh, and, and the perfect like set of sentences and then like the five hashtags that are going to be great. And it's not even, I'm not even throwing shade, like, lit, lit, but it's, it is a manifestation of wanting to have like the perfect representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's perfectionism too. Like it's not being like millennials aren't perfectionistic. It's like, have you seen the lengths people go to, to right. like get people, get the perfect Facebook posts? But it's a pull in a different area. Yes, very different. So maybe that's what we're seeing more is just the pull. Because my, my family experience is exactly the opposite. Not that my mom's a hot mess, but she yeah. is a little bit of a hot <laughs> mess. Like when it's like organizing things and doing paperwork, it's like the bane of her existence. My mom was like the amazing mom that did all the fun things. Okay. And the house was always a little cluttered. And, and I was the one that was dusting things because it bothered me. So my swing is the other direction. And I was like, why can't I be as fun as my mom? Oh, maybe because I'm excited on vacuuming. Who knows? That's a life worth living. <laughs> well, like similarly, my sister um, is like the most detailing person I think I know. But I think she got a lot of it from her grandma growing up. But a lot of it for her is also just who she is. Because mm-hmm. uh, like uh, when I was learning the Enneagram, which I will link to in the notes. Again. Um, Again. Oh, I didn't link it last time. So we lied. I try to listen through these and collect stuff, but then sometimes I zone out. Uh, So so like, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) So when I was trying to learn it, um, I was like in that uh, super excited new tool phase of like reading the intro to the book to everyone I knew. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I do. Especially because the beginning of the Enneagram, the specific book I have, uh, has like a list of like 10 words that like represent every number. 
Um, and so I just hand it to my sister and, I'm, and, and they're like good and bad words, uh, like positive and negative connotations. And mm-hmm. so then uh, basically I was like reading it all to her and like the one that got like the cringing out of her and also the laughing out of her was a one. Mm-hmm. My sister's like, definitely, definitely an Enneagram one. Uh, and so, uh, but she like, there's like this meticulous beauty to the way she does some stuff. Like she's currently into like, um, like doing a bunch of arts and she'll just have like a hundred different multicolor sticky notes and leaflets in stuff for like things she needs to look up and like go back to. And it looks like totally beautiful. And it also like gives me a panic attack. Uh, like the amount of like nuance and detail mm-hmm. in it. Um, and so I think, I think maybe the generations are passing it on and both representing it in different ways. That's entirely possible. I actually like where you went with this. Cause that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because my sister like, so, um, so naturally uh, was almost raised by like her grandma um, and inherited a lot of those values. I think she does have kind of a, an old take on it. Mm-hmm. Like she, she integrated it in that way. Um, and so the reason why I was excited to also talk about this is like, um, because I don't really like taking a concept and then just saying that it's bad or that you should, you should transcend perfectionism because it's holding you back. Like, do you really want to walk through the world and feel that you are not enough? Because that is what perfectionism will do to you. <laughs> right? I bet I just quote yeah. I bet I just quoted someone. Probably. I think it can, because my fixation on perfectionism in retrospect was mostly about fear. Sure. Like don't let them see, because then they'll know and then they won't like you and you'll be alone and like, you know, whatever yeah. insane thing my brain was telling me. So I I don't think that perfectionism is always that way. But for me it was for sure. Just in that condescending voice you just used, that was so stunning. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Like, don't let them see. Keep putting on the show. And so doing this podcast for you really challenged my perfection. Just get on there. Talk to Dan. It'll be okay. Yeah. Especially like, when like we were starting to learn like audio editing and the other stuff. Gosh. It's like, Kimberly, just read a tutorial and do it. It's fine. Here, this is what I read. And I went, uh, Dan, can you help me, please? <laughs> panic, panic, panic. And I was like, no, I told you, read the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't understand. So um, hard. So like here's the thing though, right? Maybe, maybe that is the only way. Okay. So perfectionism is just like a just a label, man. It's just it a big fancy word we put on a bunch of behavior. Yeah. Uh and like it's entirely possible that the perfectionistic skill set, the the toolkit the super power mm-hmm. um, has to start that way. Uh, maybe that's just how we culturally plant it. Like everyone is planted with uh, the self-consciousness and the thing where like, whenever you had guests over your mom or whoever was always like, Oh my goodness, we have to clean the house. I know we never clean the house, but, but now we have your cousins coming over. So we have to like do the thing. And like, that may actually be like, maybe we don't really have a better way to instill it. And right, it, right. it's your responsibility in your adulthood to decide or not if you're going to uh, like nurture it and uh, and like keep growing it, like maturing your perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I think that would actually be like, I think that's a neat concept. Like, 
the idea that you take this thing that everyone like hates or is like down on and just be like, I'm going to be like the maturest possible embodiment of healthy perfectionism. People are like, don't call it perfectionism because you're, you're talking about the negative <laughs> thing. It's like, no, no, it's perfectionism. I right. know I'm a perfectionist and I'm going to embody like this amazing, super sick, like uh, way to represent it. I think that'd be neat. Uh, so uh, I just was writing down while you're talking and on one side I have fixation toward perfection, judging others and self and fear. And then on the opposite opposite side of that, almost as if it's a two-sided coin, it would be owning your craft, loving yourself, and being accepting. Same uh, word, two different manifestations. Or do you think I'm wrong? That's interesting. So there's one of those in particular that I'd like to unpack because I can't map it very well right away. I think you're. I think those sound well together. Um, well, I'm definitely not all the way across. If it's a journey, I'm definitely not all to, all the way to owning my craft and like, and that's you know really detail oriented. I do yeah. this thing. I'm amazing at it. I am a perfectionist in this area, but I'm also not judging anybody else who isn't doing it this way. And I'm also just loving myself in this space because boom, I worked my ass off here. here. Does that make sense? So those last two are for me really interesting, and I think because they fall in like my general personal growth tenets. Uh, which is probably why I'm trying to them. Uh, but okay, so I want to think about that explicitly then. The idea of how does a healthy perfectionist show up when they are accepting of others? Because mm-hmm. that's the one that I see. Because almost if you could be like, so if you took those three things, I actually like that you laid those out. Because um, even if you took those three things as like a graduation of stuff you you eventually acquire, Mm-hmm. So like first you turn the perfectionism that like is making you feel like you're never going to do anything that has like value or that's good enough. And you turn that into a passion for being like honing your craft. And then you take that a step further and you realize that while you're honing your craft, you're still tearing yourself down um, and like damaging your self-worth. And like, while you're making cool stuff now, you never think you're ever going to make anything that's high quality enough, like to meet your craft standards. Right. So then you work on like loving yourself and doing the thing. But that last one seems like the trickiest possible one. Because like, at least on the self-worth one, you're like looking inside and you're like, I'm with you all the time. I might as well love you. <laughs> Cause you're like feeling the direct pain of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the nightmares you have and the stirring and the unrest of like, just not being good enough and never living up to your impossible standard. Right. That's like right in your face. But the comparison, you never have to feel the pain of that unless it causes you to like lose a relationship or like that stuff, just being like, look at how amazing I make this thing, man, you know, everyone else in my industry is trash. I mean, Mm. I I say that in tech all the time still, kind of like you look at other people's projects and other stuff and you're just like, why are people so bad? I, I want to say that for most people there's, and I think they can be out of sync a little bit. But if you're projecting a bunch of judgment inwardly, you're going to project it outwardly. Like there's, they seem okay. to be tied and married to each other. So even if you think you're like accepting yourself and booyah, I'm amazing, but you're stepping on everybody else. I don't think that that is anything more than arrogance. Like if you have to step on somebody to feel like you love yourself right. and you probably don't actually accept yourself. You're just going, well, I'm better than that asshole. I'm better okay. than that one over there. So I think that that um, might be just a middle place in the journey. Like my stuff is amazing and there's this crap. Like maybe that's um, a graduation in the middle. 
Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So then if you were helping someone through that, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of sounding like you would want them to like work on both at once. I think you inevitably get gains in both areas. Like if you're working okay. on just like accepting everybody else on the outside, it starts to like, I can actually accept myself too without being perfect. That's amazing. Like it's going to go, it's going to equalize like two pressure chambers. Cause that was my direction, right? Mm-hmm. Like compassion for others was easier to find than love for myself. Right. But I don't, but I wouldn't self-identify as a perfectionist. So I would self-identify as a human. So like, yay, uh, he's so, a human. <laughs> so, I, so I could, I could relate to like the idea of acquiring self-worth, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes me wonder, um, it makes me wonder people that are just naturally have like a critical eye. If that's the same path, because like it clearly worked for me. Like it, that, that was the only way that could have worked. I don't, I don't think I could have built my self-worth around like, Dan, you are an amazing human being. And then be like, yes, but I'm trapped. I'm trapped in a world of idiots. Cause like that could be a place that seems like a realistic place that I could get to. Like if I took a different path and like leveled up my health a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I like that a lot. I like the idea that like, maybe that's only like a, like a transitory step. Maybe. Um, And that you can't really. Yeah. Cause then you're still, I think, I think then for me, that would mean that the person just hasn't really embraced uh, how alike we all are. Uh, Right. Um, Because it's really hard to hate someone else. Like hate, hate. Um, When you, when you realize that like, your life has kind of been just a, a set of stumbling stones <laughs> right. and like clear and clearly they're just stumbling too. Like, cause if I can't. And so that's why it was easier for me the other way being like, Oh man, no, I have like infinite compassion for that dude. He's just making tons of mistakes and it looks like he's being like really stupid or dangerous or whatever. Um, but like, what would you do in his stressed out crazy situation? Like you would probably lash out a little bit. You probably do this thing and like, uh, um, and then I would look back on myself and instead of being like, I can't believe when you, there was fight or flight, you fucking flipped out on that person. Right. Instead I'd be like, well, I mean, you were, I mean, you tried, like mm-hmm. you were in the situation, it got the best of you and you did the thing. And so that's the way I mapped it. Right. Almost um, embodying the other person's struggle first and then finding compassion. Yeah. Instead of expecting perfection over there and not understanding what was happening over there. You almost that walk a mile in somebody's shoes cliche. Yeah, that's that's the one. That's, that's the, the one. But a bump. That's the cliche I'm talking about. <laughs> I know. You hate cliches so much. I love pulling them in. <laughs> I uh some little dead language, man. Well, it's like we've just boiled them down so far to Hallmark cards that we don't think about them enough. And I think pulling them back in after you've expanded them is kind of fun. Oh, yeah, it's that cliche. I've always heard that concept. So, okay. So talking about perfectionism. So this is the part where mm-hmm. I'm perfectionist because that's actually a perfect segue. Um, so like this, the main stressor for me starting to record my voice mm-hmm. is that like I don't want to lean on the crutches of using like one or two word phrases that everyone knows that like convey an idea or a feeling. Um, that's why I don't like cliches. That's just kind of where I'm at in my life. Um, and so it was stressing me out when we started because I'm like, Kimberly, I don't know enough. I'm never going to be able to articulate what I actually mean. Mm. Like I'm going to be yeah. per- perpetually misunderstood and like, I can't talk because 
it's not going to be the right parable. It's not going to be the right fresh example. It's not going to open enough eyes. It's not going to, it's probably going to be confusing. It's probably going to be more confusing, like 10 times, like a hundred times, a thousand times more confusing than the Hallmark card. And so who did I really serve by not just saying, you know, cause sometimes you just got to walk a thousand miles in another person's shoes. And like, everyone's like, yeah, man, fist bump. I gotcha. Even though we all have a different picture in our head and nothing was actually conveyed. Right. We can feel amazing about ourselves in that space. Because Whereas like, instead I talk for five minutes about like what perfectionism means to me and how I overcame this thing and the transitions that might be for other people. And yet that may not. So that that's for me, that's like a huge perfectionistic tendency that I love about myself because it encourages me to like think and think and think and like rip things apart and put them back together and talk to you and talk to other people. I know I'll be like, am I being confusing? Like, is this making sense? Uh, and like, I love it, but also it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the most freeing thing was letting go of it. Right. And just, and just being like, just like you, just being like, how are we actually going to do this logistically? I'm like, I don't care. Logistics don't matter. We'll get it up online. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it's like, how are we going to have good ideas? Like that was the thing for me. It's like, how are we going to say anything worth saying? So that was my perfectionistic hurdle. Of being, right, right. How do we even do this? Yeah, I think I was consuming uh, the podcast. Oh, geez, like only getting there. It's about your masters of scale. That's what it's called. And they were talking about people who have perfectionist tendencies don't ever put their thing out on the market because they're just like trying to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. And then somebody puts it out there and it takes off. And so the bottom line was you don't want to you know, put anything out there when it's horrible, but basically you're going to have to put it out there when you're embarrassed of it for it to be worth anything. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be embarrassed in this space. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm doing it right. <laughs> because I feel like nothing in my head is fully baked. It's all like totally. in the process. And it may it's not gonna be fully baked till I'm dead. Like I'm just gonna keep tweaking them forever. And so, yeah, coming to terms with not having the perfect, like this isn't a, a podcast about answers. This is a podcast about exploring and learning. And yeah, we were talking about that like a week or two ago. Yeah. Was, was that like off air when we wrapped so. up a thing and then you're like, do we ever answer <laughs> any of the things we talk about? And then I'm like, no, it's fine. I don't <laughs> want to be the person that has the answers anyway. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person that's like, hey, did you realize this concept exists? And ultimately that you're still like a healthy, cool human. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's all. And then I just want to be like, I'll leave the homework to you, dear listener. Right. If right. you want to dive more into perfectionism and ways to, you know, integrate with it, I'm certain a thousand authors have written a thousand books. Right. So like, go for it. Right. Um, yeah. It, it is unnerving though. It is unnerving not like landing these episodes and being like, so here are five easy, easy steps right. to no longer be a perfectionist. This is not clickbait. Yeah, which is like <laughs> rough. This is why this will never be monetized. That's okay. I don't need to make money off of this. <laughs> I actually just finished a series that I absolutely adore. Fiction, uh, paranormal. And I went through because I was looking for like, is there something else like this in here? And so you start reading the reviews. Never read it before. And some yeah. people don't like it. Like I'm, I, I read 13 books by this woman. It was so good. <laughs> like cried when it was over because there's no more i'm sure everybody's had this experience yeah, yeah, yeah. but her writing style to me was perfect it was perfect character's so good 
and other people didn't <laughs> like it. And like, that's what I've been resting into with this. Cool. Yeah. Our style of just opening loops and exploring is going to be perfect for five people in the world. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that's a, cause you can still lean into that toolkit, like mm-hmm. the attention to detail, the, the creeping suspicion that you're not doing your best. Um, like all those things that are like markers of a perfectionist um, and yet not allow it to paralyze you of doing anything at all. Yeah. It's actually why I'm super proud of my sister because like at the same time that she like got a knack for um, doing the art she's doing, she started an Instagram account like similarly so that she could like start having a following and stuff. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Cause one like art's tricky. Like you're never going to have like the perfect page layout Mm-mm. or, or whatever. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do all this stuff. And not only are you just doing them in your house where you can just be frustrated because you suck. Right. Instead you're like, and here's an example of this one, you know, picture mm-hmm. and like, and then being like a little bit of a mentor to other people and being like, Hey, try this, do that. Um, and it's like, that's like the most healthy. That's where you need detail oriented craftsmen you need them to train people to make wicked sick, awesome stuff. Mm. Um, but they need to be to, at a point in their growth and their self-understanding where a, they're not going to tear the students apart. Like this, okay. Throwing shade on my art teacher, but like, this is why I stopped. Doing <laughs> uh, Cause like high school art mm-hmm. decimated. And so I never wow. drew, drew again ever. Chop chop. You need to give me a drawing by next week and it has to be not. Yeah. Perfect. I'll link it in the notes. <laughs> perfect. Uh, Spoiler, I might not like it to the notes. Uh, <laughs> so, like, it's really important, right? You, mm-hmm. Because you need to straddle that line of, like, having the attention to the detail, being, like, tough on yourself enough that you keep honing your craft and, like, pushing yourself and not getting lazy about, you know, arriving. Like, God forbid you arrive. Um, right, how boring would that be? <laughs> yeah. And similarly, you need to have enough, like, of a compassionate, like, teacher, mentor's eyes to not, like, rip students to pieces because they, like, misused a tool that's so obvious to you or that has to be used a certain way. Um, And instead just be like, oh, you're using that in a strange way. And then, like, judge it on its merit. And if it's bad, I mean, you can still tell them it's not awesome. Uh, They'll probably figure it out on their own, actually. Yeah, there's that too. Right. So like, um, I think that's where you want to land, right? I think that that's where the perfectionists of the world are probably most useful. They're like those um, really, really ridiculously good, the the people that are ridiculously good at this like very specific thing they love. Right. uh, That have enough like gusto to like have an opinion, to be like, no, that's like probably the wrong way to apply these tools. Like my school thought is this way. And they like, you get that like hill die on. I hate the idea of like a lot of my ideas being hills to die on. Uh, but, but for some people's lives, that's probably great. Like to, to get to a place, I know you, you did the same face that I do in my head. Uh, remember, we're not on TV. No. That, that, was, that, that wasn't a face for radio. Uh, but no, it wasn't. But I think it is wonderful when you find those people. Um, 
and they've like made their mark. Like they have a school of thought in how to program, how to do clean code, how to paint. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so think, like, yeah. The, I think one of the mistakes we make is that like the unhealthy version of perfectionism is always looking for a guru, that okay. person to, to challenge you. And then we assume that if they're a guru in this one area, they're probably amazing in all the areas. Yeah. I know. Whereas you might be actually able to provide them that valuable critique in some other area in our lives, in your life. But we're so quick to like dichotomize good, bad. That person is amazing. They're perfect. We put them up on a pedestal and then they get isolated up there. Totally. And, and I don't think that like, uh, so like guru hypocrisy versus like traveling companions. Hey, let me show you this thing that I learned in painting and you show me this thing that you learned in podcast editing. And it's that collaborative piece. I think that's the more healthy version of perfection. I um, I don't think we've ever had like an extended conversation about this even off air. Uh-huh. I am so pleased there's another person in the world that thinks about that like I do. Because <laughs> sometimes I feel totally crazy. Um, yeah, me too. Actually, I feel totally crazy frequently. <laughs> uh, interestingly, mm-hmm. assuming that I'm correct about when we started this episode, uh, we can actually switch over and talk about that if you want. Sure, let's do that. And, and cut this up proper, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we did okay. a good job on perfection. So maybe just noticing where you're a perfectionist? Yeah, and like, uh, as with most of the things that Dan say, which probably gets annoying, uh, like trying to have like a loving, compassionate eye, even in that, even if you've had family members or people in the industry you're in or anything else that says like, you're too perfectionistic, try to see like where it's serving you and then where it's like not. Just like how I would tell people to use any tool or any value or anything. Just like look at it and be like, I fucking love that I have this eye for detail here and here. Mm -hmm. But man, I am like tearing myself apart internally. And it is like making me think I'm like a worthless human, that's probably not great. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Like, so, and just like, I just want people to have that eye with everything in their life. And this is coming from an incredibly introspective person. I'm not expecting people to like, whatever. But like, I think it's useful. I think it's useful to be able to like, look at this thing and just be like, I love this part of myself. Man, I really love that part. Man, that part's pretty rough. Right. Like, decide what you're going to do with it. I think the word you used earlier, that's the nail on the head, is the paralyzing piece. We allow perfection to paralyze us, whereas it can be inspiring. So how are you using that perspection? Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. We did it. We did it. I, I, I legitimately don't know this episode number now that we're turning a time. This is 15? Yes, it is. Yes! You I did can, it. I can five count. Five. Thanks for joining us on Podcast 15. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time for hypocrisy. Bye. 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 <laughs> Perfect.